Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver. Coming to you early, but still after dark on Monday, October 4th. Hope you all had a lovely week. And yes, it is now dark at seven <laughs> o'clock, which is perfectly suitable for this show. As always, joined by my co-host, Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? I am great. Thanks, Parker. Thanks, everyone. Welcome to Canucks a little bit after dark. We are happy that you guys are here. And uh, yeah, we Parker, so much to talk about. So many, there's there's stuff happening around the team. Last week was our biggest show ever, and this week might be even bigger. Well, I guess it depends um, if people find it right now. Yeah, no, it might be it might be a little worse because of the the time difference. But glad for everyone who is here early on time. We do appreciate it. Uh, there's a lot to talk about this week. The biggest news came late last week, I believe, on Friday afternoon, uh, which we will spend some time on. There was a couple of hockey games to talk about as well. Uh, yeah. Some injury updates, our regular segments. Uh, we'll get to all of it tonight in the next hour. Do you care to share why we are going early tonight, or is that a, like a pri- now that I've, yeah, already- I've got I've got a hockey game tonight? I gotta be uh, I gotta be on the ice at nine thirty, so ah. ten o'clock show doesn't work very well for me. So. Uh, bump it a little early this week. We also have a slight scheduling adjustment to next week as well. So stay tuned. We will yeah. inform you of that later on. What's, what's your team name? And are you guys any good? Uh, our team name involves beer. Okay. And we are, we are 0 and 7. Oh. Uh, so no. <laughs> what, what, what's we, going on? What happened? Uh, we're just in a bit. We're in a division that's too good. That's okay. besides the point. Um, our two, our, our, do we want to just jump into our main topics? Is that, is that the easy, the easy answer here? Why not? Everyone else talking about it. We might as well. Let's talk about the terrible work that Duncan Keith and Cody CC doing on the Edmonton Oilers blue line. Cause apparently they've been getting absolutely shelled tonight, but no, let's talk about Elias Pettersson first three-year contract, 7.35 million dollars aav going short term bridge deal on the petterson side long term on the hughes side let's start with petterson when you initially saw i guess it was uh sadi Shah sort of had a first little nugget saying look it's, like it's going to be under eight million and then mm-hmm. everyone was sort of on 7.7 and now yeah. it's 7.35 which is even better what were your sort of uh range of emotions going through uh this story my first emotion was uh relief admittedly um, and and like you and I have been talked about, we weren't worried, but our concern level was starting to wrap up a tiny bit. Yeah, we but we've also both talked about it on our on the show that we knew it was going to take this long because there was no real advantage for Hughes and Petey to sign in July. There's no there's really no point. Right. So I was but I was relieved. And then I looked at the number, Parker, and I'm not a, a guy who worried. Oh, no. What happens if he takes his qualifying offer and we lose him after seven years? No, I don't worry about that. We we kind of kicking the can down the road. I get it. We he's in due for a you know nine, 10, 11 million dollar payday three years down the road. But there's no doubt in my mind he's gonna outplay this contract. He's gonna outplay this $22 million contract easily in the next three years, and we're gonna be much better for it. Absolutely, yeah. And you can go all you want into well, if if management hadn't put the Canucks into this cap situation then they could have gone long term they could have gone eight (laughs) years at like nine million dollars and while that would have maybe been worse short term in the long run again it probably wouldn't been great because now three years down the line they're going to have to pay him a good chunk of change qualifying offer rules have changed they don't have to pay him 10 million dollars on that qualifying offer but it's in the high eights uh so they are going to have to give him a good chunk of change and then yes he could walk 
as an unrestricted free agent after, but you have options when it comes to that scenario, yeah. right? Uh, in two years, you know, when he enters the last year of his deal, the Canucks can then start working on having an extension set up. Now, for the entire year, they can work the on it. For the entire year. Yeah. They, they can't run out of time next time, right? <laughs> um, and then, you know, if if worst case scenario, Elias Patterson says, no, I don't want to play for this team anymore. Well, then you have that whole year to trade him to a team that he does want to play for and, and that, you know, and you'll get really good value for him, even though that's, you know, worst case scenario. So don't worry about that. Next three years, Elias Patterson is going to be the number one center for this team, and he's going to be a great one. We had people in our sort of predictions thing predicting 80 to 90 points for Elias Patterson, which, I mean, if he's as good as he normally is, that doesn't seem too, too crazy. Uh, so just be excited that we've got him locked up for a few years here. Yeah, and Parker, when you when you hear the number 7.3, so that's a bit more than Matthew Barzell, which was three years, 7 mm -hmm. million. Not as much as Kaprizov, who went five years, nine million. So, does this number feel right to you? I think so. Um, and Kaprizov wasn't really a comparable because of the term, and I don't think yeah. the Canucks were going to go five years at any point there. Um, now, yeah, you compare that to sort of the three by seven for Barzal, and it's a couple years later, values change a little bit. Um, I think Pedersen's better than Barzal, at least like at the time of signing. Yeah. Um, at least somewhat. Like, not nothing against Barzali is really good, but um, no, I, I think this is a totally, totally fine number uh, for the amount of years that they're getting here. Yep. No, I would agree with you that way. And uh, you know what's kind of fascinating, Parker, is we can kind of watch what happens with Besser this year as a, almost a sneak peek of what's going to happen for PD two years from now, because Besser is entering the third year of his second three-year contract. So exact same thing that you said about PD a few minutes ago. Yeah, we don't have to wait to extend Besser a qualifying offer under the old rules, so 7.5 million his last salary year. But we don't have to wait until July 1 to do that. We can actually negotiate with them all throughout this season for that extension. So hopefully we'll see that happen as well so we don't have to worry about him. Yeah, and you have to wonder, you have to wonder what the Canucks are going to do here with Besser too coming into yeah. this next year, right? Like they can they can now negotiate with him. They can get mm -hmm. his next 8 years lined up if they wanted to. Uh, instead of you know running out of time and, and getting to that qualifying offer, so I think yep. everyone's uh, everyone's pretty happy with with the deal. Um, I I went on like Reddit and like Twitter and and looked at opinions from other fan bases because that's always a usually a better gauge, uh, yeah. and everyone was pretty on board with it. And you know Jim Benning continues his streak of not good UFA contracts and really good <laughs> RFA contracts, and I I don't know what it is. Strange. But he just seems to seems to crush him. Yeah. No. It's uh. It's been a good, good. As you mentioned in in your video, I saw it's been a great off season for Jim Benning for sure. Absolutely. And um, I was gonna say something else, and I totally forgot what it was. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, yeah. Let's set it up. As much as people love this deal, I think they love the other deal even a tiny bit more. Yeah. So almost the same money, uh, mm -hmm. and this sort of comes down to. A worse season for Quinn Hughes. Uh, yeah. Not a good year that he had last year, but uh, you, you're you banking on his rookie year. So the numbers, six years, average of $7.85 million. So you're buying up a couple of unrestricted free agency years uh, and you're locking him up for, you know, until he's basically 28 years old. Um, again, your initial thoughts when, when this one came down the pipeline, again, sort of same idea. It came out as six years, a bit under 8 million and then it yeah. ends up coming through as 7.85. You know, one nuance Parker that we should probably clear up for our 
our uh, listeners and our viewers. And I made this mistake. I thought that Hughes has burned his three-year ELC. So I thought that six years meant four RFA and two UFA. It's so weird, man. Technically, that first three-year contract, it's only two accrued years, but three professional years. Right, so technically, the first year you played five yeah, games. Yeah, it's only five games. You got it. So technically, this six-year contract, it's five RFA years and one hmm. UFA, which the math is kind of weird. But bottom line is still the same. We do buy at least one of his years. That's why it's a little more expensive. That's why, yes, he is a UFA when this is done. But I don't worry about that. Honestly, Parker, right now it's six. And you've taught, you, you're you the one who taught me this. You sign your best players as long as you can, as yep. early as you can. And uh, yes, he's not making kill McCarr money, $9 million, he, But we, he's kind of shown that he's not as good as McCarr right now. So nope. 7.85, that contract is going to look good maybe third, fourth, fifth, and sixth year as the salary cap goes up, as money ca- contracts go up. And we're sitting here with a Quinn Hughes, maybe a Norris tro- Trophy candidate for, you know, for 7.85. I love it. I yeah, really like it. I really like it as well. Uh, I think you're, you're just, you're making a, a gamble that he's going to get better. And yeah. with the salaries that we have seen in the defenseman market lately, uh, this is <laughs> not too crazy. I think you put out a, you put out a tweet that said he was like 15th or 16th. Highest yep, 13, paid 14, defenseman yep, got it. in the yep. NHL, which, you know, maybe right now that's a lot, but, yep. you know, in the years three, four, five, especially years five and six, when he's, you know, 26, 27, 28 years old, yep. uh, that could be a really good number, especially if that salary cap keeps climbing uh, yeah. into the future. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting. I heard, um, not sure you heard JP Berry, their agent on Donnie and Dolly today. He even admitted that they were trying to get, a longer term contract for PD five or six years. So remember five year for PD is the exact same thing. It's buying one year of UFA, Yeah. but they, they knew that the salary cap crunch that the Canucks were in at least throughout the summer. So, and before this Furlan, I mean, before this Hamnick potential, which might not even work, but you know what I mean? They, they simply could not go long on both guys. So if anyone's wondering, well, how come PD only got three and Hughes got six is the Canucks simply didn't have the money to go along with Pedersen as well, as much as they probably wanted to. Yeah, the Canucks are basically capped out. I mean, they yeah. they spend basically $15 million a year on these two deals, and they had about 16 to play with. So leaving a little bit of wiggle room, and lots of people were, I saw some people like, oh, well, that means they can go sign Shieson or whatever. But <laughs> Shieson's free. He doesn't hit, he, like, if they sign yeah. him for a million dollars, it doesn't affect the salary cap because he'd be sending someone down. So it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it, it leaves them a little bit of flexibility, especially once Furlan's on LTI. They might want to add a little bit of salary to actually maximize the LTI because the mm. way it works is you don't get bonus salary cap, but you're allowed to go over the salary cap. It's kind of a weird system, um, uh. so it doesn't really accrue throughout the season when you're using it. But um, a couple of other wrinkles uh, into this contract that some people pointed out is the timing of when these deals end, right? Mm. Um, lots of people, for one, saying that this sort of defines the competitive window for the team, right? Like right. you got to be good in the next three years because you want Pedersen to still want to play here is one part of it. Uh, and another one was other deals that are ending when these two deals come to an end. For example, Tyler Myers contract uh, will be off the books when the Elias Pedersen contract is up, which oh. would free up six million dollars or so from the from the cap uh and quinn hughes's contract is up at the same time as all of reckman larson's contract is up oh. so freeing up about seven million dollars there now you're gonna have to be re- replacing those pieces in the future but 
basically the other two biggest contracts for the Canucks that aren't Pedersen and aren't Hughes will expire sort of one in line with each. So hopefully as salary cap goes up, uh, a little bit more room uh, to play with uh, in the long-term future as well. No, I really like how you bring that up, Parker, the PD one and Myers at the same time, the Hughes and Ekman-Larsen. And that's talking about the expiration of these deals. We know that even lining up year by year, as we talked about, Brock Besser needs a new contract this year. Horvat yeah. and Miller next year. And then guess what? It's PD all over again the year after that. So get get used to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the Besser one is interesting because you look at, you know, I, I'm just sort of looking at what comes off the books next year, right? Yeah. Uh, the big one uh, is the uh, Roberto Longo <laughs> cap recapture. We'll yep. free up $3 million next year. So that could be, you know, the potential raise plus a bit extra on the Brock Besser side. Uh, you'll have Jack Rathbone needing a contract next year. He'll be an RFA, mm. um, but that'll be, you know, maybe a million and a half or whatever, unless sure. he's absolutely insane this year and they want to lock him up long-term, yeah. uh, which I mean, we can hope, right? Uh, <laughs> that's a move that I do in the NHL video games where I have a player who's decent uh, as an RFA. And I say, here, I'll give you eight years, 2 million bucks a year. <laughs> Is you that get player's name Parker Hollywell or what? No, no, you can okay. get you can get some good players doing that. Okay, but sure. um, yeah, and then they're going to have to pay a goalie next year. Um, yep. And then Furlan comes off the books the year after. So uh, the Canucks are not out of the cap woods yet. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is projecting that they are maxed out uh, according to cap friendly, but no one apparently knows the real calculations because apparently they're <laughs> super complicated. But uh, yeah, the Canucks are basically uh, going to be right up against it all year long. Yeah, that's true. And uh, as you were saying all those numbers for next year, I know we still have 1.9 of Holtby on our books next year for Tannen, uh, you know, another 500 there. So there's another 2.4 in dead cap. So yeah, you're right. You're right. You're exactly right. We're not out of the woods yet, yet um, they've timed these properly, I think, uh, with some strategy. And Jim Benning will never, ever say that he's worried about salary cap as he hasn't said over the past few years. So yeah, we'll see. It always somehow kind of works out, even though it kind of didn't last off season, but uh, <laughs> they, they've got it uh, somewhat figured out here. Uh, anything else you wanted to, you want to hit on either of these two contracts? Yeah. Did you, wrinkles? yeah. Were you able to catch Parker, any of their media availability yesterday? I saw some quotes from it, but I did yeah. not watch it. So if there's anything you want to recap yeah. from it. Yeah, no, just um, they, the most interesting one I think is one of the reporters pressed PD a little bit. Uh, would you have liked to, to sign long-term if the money was here and he, he didn't uh, obviously they were getting, I think that was kind of like a backhanded uh, insult or whatever it is, a statement about Jim Benning and his cap management, but PD didn't take the bait. He was good. He goes, I want to win. I want to play here right now. He did say right now. So don't freak out, but he did say right now. <laughs> and you no, know, he was saying the right things. And uh, it was funny. They were saying that they didn't call it a bag skate, but they said that Quinn Hughes's dad was pretty, pretty tough on them in Michigan, that they were working out pretty hard. Yes. They did a bit of surfing. They watched the Michigan football game, but overall, um, yeah, it's exciting. They're going to be practicing tomorrow. I kind of thought that they might play tomorrow night just because they're in such good shape, but it sounds like Travis Green said the final two, so the back-to-back against Edmonton. Fair enough, yeah. I, yeah. I, and I think these guys, you know, they're they're good enough that they're not going to need a ton of preseason time, especially someone like yeah. Quinn Hughes, because uh, I, I feel like, you know, he's just going to... I feel like you just put him on the ice. He's just so natural uh, that he'll be <laughs> fine out there. But uh, I, there were people making good points. You know, we haven't seen Pedersen on the ice playing actual games since March. Right. Wow. That's, that's a long time to not play hockey for. Now you're getting practice. He's, you know, in a garage yeah. shooting pucks that we saw the clip of. He's practicing yeah. in Michigan. He's probably skating every day. But, you know, you can't 
you can't simulate game action really right so yes uh it'll be good to see them get on the ice a couple of times get their feet moving uh and hopefully uh hopefully they don't miss a beat coming into this next season are you at all worried about pd's durability parker well what have we had we've had we had the concussion or two mm-hmm. concussions no there's the concussion from um mike matheson yeah which was just kind of a dumb play like that's yep. not going to be a durability thing right, right. um right. twisted knee with uh Kotkaniemi. with Kotkaniemi, yep. which yep. is a f- kind of a freak play but not ideal and then the wrist injury the thing mm-hmm. is they were all different parts of the body right yeah uh, so it's part of that you can look at and be like oh well maybe there's there are just overall durability issues with his body and the other case you can be like oh well there's sort of three very separate instances that happened it's unlucky uh and you can sort of hope for the best uh, in the future uh it's not yeah. something i can really predict uh well, but course, we can yeah, definitely yeah. hope that uh he stays healthy in the future yep. okay i'm with you i'm not i'm not worried i'm not worried yeah i'm not too worried yeah either um, all right. Do we want to get to, do you want to talk about some hockey games that happened sure. over the past few days here? Uh, I didn't watch either of them, uh, which yes. I was kind of proud of, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> first one uh, on Friday, Flames 4, uh, Canucks 1. Uh, give us your thoughts, your takeaways, well, what came out of this game. Well, this is going to be a very short conversation, Parker, because I did not watch this one either. I was actually at work, so um, I know we got one and they got four. <laughs> Nice. Nice. That's a hard hitting analysis people expect from if you guys guys have thoughts on this game, we're not probably not going to talk about them because it was a preseason game that the Canucks got blown out in. Uh, Jog Paul says, and I quote, uh, oh, come on, come up in my it's not in my comments yet. Yeah. Uh, uh, Game was horrible. There we go. We believe you, Jog Paul. We (laughs) believe you. (laughs) Lucas says, move along. All right. Perfect. (laughs) Let's go. To uh, Sunday's game, yes, uh, against the Jets, the the plane emoji doesn't work very well apparently on here. It, it oh. you lose the color from it. But uh, Canucks three, Jets two, a big win in the preseason yes. for Canucks. Now, when they lose in the preseason, it's meaningless and doesn't matter. But a win, man, this is a signal of what is to come for this team this year. Yeah. Uh, again, I didn't really watch this when you were at the game. You had some was, good conversations yes. with some fans in the stands. I heard, uh, <laughs> yes. and how did, uh, how was that game? I, you so, gave me some takeaways as well. So yeah. I'll, I'll read those after. Thank you. Well, I'll take the two or three minutes we were going to spend on the Friday night game and I'll, I'll shove it into this section. Um, it was great Parker, even before we talk about the game to be in the arena, you know, that I was lucky to go with Marie to watch the Vancouver Ottawa game with no fans where I got in trouble for posting all my videos and pictures, but so this was my first game since February, actually, of 2020 with fans in the stands. 9,000 people, so exactly 50%. Flukely, that's the season ticket number, basically. And it, what was interesting, Parker, is they didn't um, they didn't strategically sit everyone two meters mm. apart. They just, wherever your seats are, your seats were. So you had some rows that were completely full. You probably saw the highlights. And then other rows that were completely empty, like the one that my wife Gail and I were in. So, so that was good. Fans were loud. They were excited. The players, even the Horvat and others, they mentioned it that even at half capacity, they could feel the energy and it's something that they miss. Okay. On the actual ice, right away, I want to say Ekman, Larson, and Pullman, they're going to be fine. They are fine. They look good. I saw like Justin, a couple others saying that, that Ekman Larson's looked really good. He has, he's, he's smart. Pullman kind of defers to him. Um, but Ekman Larson's smart, doesn't get out of position. Rathbone, this is an interesting one. I so badly want this guy to make the team. 
but he is high event hockey. Two or three times he gave up the puck leading to a breakaway, but he was fast enough to get back and break up the breakaway, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, there, uh, real quick, and then we can talk about these. Uh, Chase on very slow, very slow. I tweeted about he tried to drop past to Patan, but to, was so slow that Patan skated past him, and therefore the drop pass went to no one. Uh, Garland was fine. I love the way that he protects the puck, spins off of people, and I think he's been holding back. He was good. Um, Lockwood and Podkolzin, fourth line, they're on the ice for both Winnipeg Jets. Goal is not so good, but that's tough to make an impression when you're only playing 10 minutes. And Horvat, Hoglander, Pearson, solid. I, I get the Jets only brought like six guys that are going to make their team, but I thought they looked really good all night. So it'll be interesting if, if they take Hoglander off, put him with Besser and Petey, which we thought, and then they have to put it and maybe put another different winger with Horvat and Hoglander. But overall, Parker, it was uh, just great to be in the arena, great to meet people, great to see people and see the Canucks players having fun on the ice. That is good to hear. Now, I've heard I lots because I I asked on Twitter uh, after the game yesterday. Yeah. I said, "Hey, wasn't able to watch the game. Any interesting takeaways from this one?" And lots of people said, um, "You know, things like uh, Olio Levy was invisible, <laughs> which sort of seems to be the case uh, quite often." Uh, yeah. But lots of you know not not a lot of positivity around Vasily Podkolzin. Uh, from this last one and and there's a quote here saying that he's still adjusting you mm -hmm. said you know not getting a lot of ice time didn't look great yeah. out there has your expectation of pod colson changed at <laughs> all from the start of the preseason parker it's funny you mentioned that because um you know i've been pretty strong oh he might unseat hoglander for no he's not gonna unseat hoglander for any any second or uh, second or first line role um but I remember this. I'll say two things. I do think Pod Colson makes the team. You might know this better than I do. I heard Thomas Drans talking about if they try and put him down in the, he doesn't need waivers, obviously he's a rookie, but if they pull him back up, then his salary uh, cap jumps from, it doubles from 925 to uh, 1.8. I didn't know that. This is what Thomas Drans was saying. So, um, and mm. Rathbone, the same thing. So if you put either Rathbone or Pod Colson in, in Abbotsford and then bring them up later, some clause kicks in. I don't know what, where their salary cap hit doubles. So I wonder if it's to do with performance bonuses, but that yeah. doesn't make much sense. Weird. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, I know they both could have, you know, they could hit their A level sure. bonuses. It's like 850 grand, but yeah, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, me but... neither. So, but we'll, we'll let someone else figure that out. But, it, but my, my major point is I still think pot and makes this team, um, I, I just think uh, not that he's been promised anything, but I think it's uh, you know, it's just a better look. If you're 10th overall pick from two years ago that mm -hmm. you've hyped all off season, it should start with the team. The other thing is remember when Horvat started, he was a fourth liner. He was playing yeah. with Derek Dorsett and Alex Burroughs Burroughs. You know, it's funny to think of him as a fourth liner, but he was on the way down in his career. So Horvat started pretty slowly, but then ascended quite rapidly. We could see the same with Pod Colson. So I'm not worried if he plays on the fourth line. That's still 10, 12 solid minutes. And I just don't, I, I think I got to temper my expectations. I can admit it that I was probably a little too bullish on him when the, when the training camp started. Fair enough. And Nick Patan was another name that came up a little bit. Yes. He scored a goal uh, assisted by Madison Bowie and, uh, and JT Miller in the second period. Uh, mm -hmm. And you just said in your message or in your response to my tweet, Patan looks good. Uh, yeah. Do you think Patan has what it takes to to get a spot on this team, especially with some of the injury news we've heard, which we'll get into a little bit later? Yeah. Well. So I won't spoil that injury news. Most people know it already. But if if you need Dickinson to play fourth line center, right? If you need to go down the middle with PD Miller, Horvat, and Dickinson, 
then that opens up one of those magical top nine spots. And I do think Nick Patan is the guy to do it. I don't like Chase on, like I said, too slow. Um, I, I Patan scored a really nice goal from the slot yesterday and he's fast. He's a great option on the power play, you know, kind of PD light. He's filling in for PD, almost the same name. I like him. I think he's out of all the guys that were brought in for Abbott's for death. He's the one to me that has a shot of making the team as a top nine, not a, not a, like a, you know, a bottom line guy. Interesting. Well, that is going to be good to keep track of it. The Canucks are going to need bodies. Let's get into that. Um, (laughs) As we have news, basically that uh, Tyler Mott still out, Brandon Sutter still out, Brock Besser still out, not to mention Travis Hamanick still away from the team. We'll get to that one later. Um, I guess biggest one, most important one is Brock Besser. So basically all the news that we have, if I'm not mistaken, is out for the preseason um, with what we still think is an ankle injury. I don't think anything has mm-hmm. been confirmed yet. Uh, and they're hoping that he'll be there for night one of the season. Uh, but that is concerning, right? Besser, if Besser's not in the lineup opening night and having basically no preseason under his belt, <laughs> then you start to get a little bit worried. I thought he looked really good in uh, at the scrimmage we were at, like at training camp. I thought he, yes. uh, he, he looked like he just always was away from the pack and it didn't look like he was trying very hard even. Um, but now, you know, you're missing him and suddenly all of the lines have to get shaken up and you can't put that lotto line together night one. Uh, so a lot to, to think about here. That's a really good point. We're not going to be able to see that magical top nine or the top eight with Dickinson on the fourth line because Besser, yeah, he won't play again until hopefully game one of the regular season. And if that's the case, I'm not worried about the way who he slots in with and, and I'm not worried about him regaining his form, but uh, he's not a penalty killer. And I, that's what I'm more worried about when it comes to the other two guys, if you want to set that one up. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's go to uh, let's go to Brandon Sutter. This one's yeah. interesting. Um, we had basically Randy Janda say yesterday that, or I guess it's just a quote from Jim Benning saying that Brandon Sutter won't be able to, won't be available to start the season with these fatigue issues, which is really all that we've heard. Uh, and then Sakaris came out today, uh, and said on his show that it's his understanding that Brandon Sutter has informed the team. He's not going to come back early or try to take one for the team. He's going to play when he's ready and he's not going to push any limits as he has in the past, which I think is totally fine, totally respectable. You, you're not, you know, you aren't really the, no offense to Brandon Sutter, you're not like the lifeblood of the team. You're a, you're a piece of the team, um, but, you know, yeah. you don't, not going out to go try to um, injure himself or overexert himself with these fatigue issues and, and prolong the issue. Mm. Man, that's scary. I, I just... Uh take away the the implications of the lineup uh, just as a, as a, as a man, right. As a human being, as a family guy, that's, it sounds scary. Whatever fatigue issues are, I don't know if he's contracted something or um, it's something, what do you call it? Genetic. Not, I was going to say hereditary. Isn't it's genetic more than hereditary, right? What's the difference? I don't think the same thing. I have no idea. Okay. I, I'm not a, <laughs> not a, I don't so even know be- what I'd call someone who would know that. So it could be a family thing is what I'm trying to say. Family history. But yeah, it, it's unfortunate. And then when you talk about the actual on-ice implications, fourth-line center and a good penalty killer and a guy who can win face-offs on the penalty kill, which is kind of what you need to kill off the first 15 seconds. Yeah, for all the heat we've given Brandon Sutter over the years, a lot of that was because 
of his contract and because of the role he was required to fill, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, third line center Brandon Sutter uh, making $4 million is not good, right? Uh, fourth line center Brandon Sutter making a million and a half dollars. That's a really important piece to a team, yeah. Uh, which is why we're, we're, we, we're pretty happy when he got re-signed at the number he did. Um, and that brings us to Tyler Mott, right? If you know if Sutter's <laughs> away, uh, and then if Mott's away, uh, we don't really have much information on Tyler Mott. Uh, quote from Jim Benning yesterday says, there's no timeline for his recovery, but he's mm-hmm. rehabbing and feeling better every day. Now, when you see no timeline, that's scary because they, he could have said, ah, we hope he'll be ready opening night. Or Yeah, that'd be nice. Man, it could be, it could be two or three weeks. No timeline doesn't mean anything, right? It could. And didn't be, we see him? We saw him on the months. ice, right? We, uh, in Abbotsford, didn't he come on yeah, the ice? He, we, oh. Yeah, he was on the ice skating um, on his own. Uh, he's been in attendance. Like, there's a picture of him on Twitter, like at the game, like in the press <laughs> box uh, yesterday. Uh, so he's around the team. He's uh, exercising. He's skating. He's mm-hmm. you know shooting pucks on his own. But there's something, I guess, you know, in his rehab that he's still just not ready to go yet. Wow, so we already lose uh, Beagle, Erickson, and Roussel. Uh, Roussel, not so much, but Beagle and, and Erickson are decent penalty killers. Sutter and Mott would be our two best penalty killers now. So who does that leave? Dickinson and then a bunch of guys we got to figure out if they can kill penalties. Yeah, and that's the tricky part of this preseason, right? Is there's not, there's only, you only get a handful of games and yep. you, you're not playing everyone every night. Uh, and, you know, you start to look at the guys you do have left and, you know, I guess Justin Bailey's back with the team, but I don't know if he's in the lineup opening night and mm-hmm. maybe a, a Nick Patan might have to come in and, yeah. and, and get some penalty killing duty or like, I don't even know. There, there's so many just uh, small names. Like uh, I've, I've heard decent things about Phil DiGiuseppe in the, yeah, last, he's, he's in the last couple of preseason games, which yeah. is kind of surprising, but he might be a guy that needs to step in or does, uh, does Will Lockwood end up having to take on some penalty killing responsibility if he makes the team, right? The problem yeah. is we don't know who's going to be on the team, like <laughs> in total on that bottom, the bottom six, basically, because we don't know how long people are going to be out and we don't yeah. know what holes are going to be have to filled in the penalty killing side. So it's a complete mess uh, that is kind of worrying because um, I feel like every season starts with a lot of penalties. So like early yeah. in the season is kind of the time because the refs are like, like trying to cross, establish themselves. Yeah. Cross checking cross checking yeah. this year. They've already said is going to be a point of emphasis, right? So yeah. if you're going to have a guy like Tucker Pullman cross checking guys in front of the net or Tyler Myers <laughs> trying to clear guys out of the way and they take a couple extra penalties, uh, well, we know Tyler Myers is going to take some penalties. Yeah. Um, then yeah, you're going to have to have these guys out. And if you're giving up one or two power play goals every night, cause you don't have penalty killers, mm. Uh, then you are in real trouble. So tell me, Parker, tell me if you'd be okay with this. Would you be okay? Because I actually think they're going to decide who makes their opening night roster for the fourth line based on who can kill penalties, truly. Because let's say, let's say, for instance, DiGiuseppe and Dowling and and Lockwood, Gadjevich, McEwen, Highmore, let's say they're all relatively equal for what they bring relatively you need to differentiate yourself. And if you're missing Sutter and Mott, so I think, I think the fourth line I've said, I put Nick Patan in my top nine. I think my fourth line is Dickinson, DiGiuseppe and Highmore because those three guys can kill penalties. And then you can have Patan, Pearson or Miller as your, your fourth forward. That's what I think. Yeah. uh, I wouldn't hate it. 
I, mm-hmm. I think it's I, I it wouldn't have been my guess at the start of the season or at the yeah. start of the preseason. Yeah. Um, but the fact that we're already in this scenario where, you know, three important pieces, <laughs> right, uh, in their own ways are all missing on night one and we haven't even played games yet uh, is definitely, definitely troubling. Wow. I don't want to sit there and say, oh, it's the most connect thing ever, but it'd be awesome if we just started with a healthy roster and just see how good we were right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. Uh, I actually, (laughs) I was going through um, my, I had like a thing of screenshots in my, in my folder of where I do keep all my video making stuff. Like I keep it all in a folder on my desktop. And Mm. I had a screenshot of a Francesco Aquilini tweet from last year. (laughs) And he basically said, so glad that Tyler Boyd was available to us uh, on the waiver wire. Injuries, <laughs> like oh, the, with the exclamation point. I remember, I remember that. that. I'm like, oh, we're already here. Right. Oh, it's happening already. <laughs> so I, I think uh, of all those guys that got a shift or two with us that are gone now. Boyd, VC. VC. Yeah. Uh, uh, Gravak, we both like him, but he's gone. Um, yeah. Man. Man, tough. Tough. Yeah. Rough start to the season mm-hmm. um all right let's go on to don't do we that should... we're halfway through the yeah. show uh mm-hmm. we've we've got about 27 minutes left so let's do our don't do that so this is your time i got my don't do that shirt on yeah show, uh, show so... off the shirt man that's pretty cool <laughs> we got the shirt says don't do that um so if you guys have your don't do that for this week leave them in the chat clay do you have any to start with <laughs> well because I'm such a show off. Put up Lucas's not talking about the fans you met, Clay. Don't do that. Okay, I'll, I'll be really quick. First guy I see is Lucas because he told me what section he was selling merch. So I gave him the fist bump. And then I, I got to meet some pretty cool people, Parker, some people that listen to our show or watch our podcast, which is cool. But I want to give a, one shout out to these four grade 12 guys I met from Siakam. Um, three of them are about my size. And then one of them is just massive so i i call them my body so they're the my sbg they're my siakam bodyguards so shout out to those four guys that are that are my new crew <laughs> that's great thanks man. uh i don't know if i have any don't do i guess not or yeah not watching the only two canucks games on the week of your podcast don't do that i could have watched one i could have came somewhat prepared yeah. but i watched the seahawks game instead yeah uh which was good they won yeah uh, they won they won <laughs> but yeah no i i'm waiting i'm waiting for the regular season october 13th that is our start date and i'm looking forward to that yes how about uh <laughs> actually there's a lot you you pick there's some good ones there actually there is a lot see it's saying having a blender of a roster on opening night don't do that yeah and they don't really have a choice unfortunately um they're kind of in a tough scenario uh, and hopefully they can get everything. Uh, hopefully they can get just the holes filled to start the season. Mm-hmm. I like Marcus's about seven up. Dump on OEL before the season even starts. Don't do that. People saw that 8.26 of which we're paying 7.26. And there's like, wow, this is how is he going to live up to it? Maybe he can't, but he's solid. He is solid. I haven't yeah. seen him have a bad game yet. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? We always said like if OEL can be decent, then the mm-hmm. trade's good, right? Because because of what you got rid of uh, in the trade and you're getting Connor Garland. But based on last year and the last couple of years before that, the assumption was, you know, let's not bet on OEL being good. Now, what we have seen from him in preseason is pretty promising. Seems to yep. have already decent chemistry with, with Pullman. 
Um, and if they can be a solid line, uh, then that's fine. However, you, you do have to keep in mind, this Canucks defense is the second highest paid defense in the NHL. <laughs> wow. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So you're looking, oh. you know, it's, uh, you know, they're basically paying oh. the nine defense that they have on the roster right now are about $30 million this year. Oh. Um, just because you have Quinn Hughes making just under eight, Ekman Larson making just over seven. Uh, well, making more than that, but the Canucks are paying him just over seven. Right. Uh, and then you have Tyler Myers making six, Travis Hamnick making three, Poulin making two and a half, and then your sixth guy is going to be making just under a million, mm -hmm. whatever that mm -hmm. is. So yeah, they they it's an expensive decor for what you're going to be getting. Um, <laughs> Who's the most, most expensive? Likely. San Jose. Uh, I don't know because San Jose has Burns and uh, what's his face, Carlson. Yeah. Like already, there's that's, that's, that million would there. make sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll see if I can find it really quick. If okay. I just pull up the, I'll pull okay. up the sharks. Sharks. Sure, I'll just defense. read a couple more. Yeah, there's Aikens, is Carlson Aikens makes Carlson oh, makes eleven and a half. Oh, Burns oh. makes eight. Vlasic makes seven. Uh, and oh. then they have they have three other guys on their main roster making not that much, and they're over thirty million dollars. So yeah, they are the most expensive yeah. defense. Wow! 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 Couple more, a uh, tiger. I like this tracking Louis Erickson's performance game by game. Don't do that. He has as a good start to the preseason, which is fine. I think we should do it. I think it's fun. I saw someone made a tweet and it was like, "How?" Or no, it was it was, it was Dave Pratt. So you know, you know, what you're getting here. Uh, but he said he was like, "How many goals would Louis Erickson have to score this year for you to wish he got more playing time with the Canucks?" And there was like, "There's none," because like it doesn't matter because he was terrible here. If he goes out and puts up thirty in Arizona. I'm going to be mad, but it's not like, oh, we just didn't give him a shot. Like that wasn't the yeah. case. He just didn't, yeah. didn't perform here. Out of sight, out of mind. Right. Yeah. He yeah, is, uh, he, we're it's, it's, that's over. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> um, Fangirl saying almost forgetting about the early start to Canucks after dark tonight. Don't do that. And, uh, yeah. let's make this sort of our programming note for next week. For those sure. of you who are here, uh, next week's show will not be on Monday. It's going to be on Tuesday. Tuesday at 10 p.m. Couple reasons. One, I'm not going to be here on Monday. I come, <laughs> I come back from vacation on Tuesday. So we're going to do it Tuesday night, normal time, 10 p.m. And it also works really well because we do have the Canucks season literally starts the next night. Yeah. Uh, we might have a couple of storylines from the NHL, like because I think there's a couple of games on the Tuesday uh, before the show. Um, yeah. But this is this next week's Tuesday show is going to be like our season primer. Like we're going to be, you know, going into. You know, we should have a decent idea of the lines at that point. Roster cuts should be done by then. We should have our 23-man roster, uh, and we'll sort of set the stage for the entire season. So come back Tuesday, October 12th, 10 p.m., and if you can't make it, it'll be up on YouTube, podcast platforms, and the like. Yeah, we were unscathed for the first five months of being able to go Monday night or Wednesday night, whatever we decided to, at 10 p.m. But as uh, the fall has come in, life happens, uh, travel work ministry for me uh you know whatever it may be hockey bowling whatever it is so uh yeah we're gonna make adjustments as we go we're gonna try and keep our our, our flag planted monday nights at 10 p.m but as we see tonight as we see next week sometimes you just gotta make a few adjustments of course we're making the adjustments because it's parker and this parker's the one who runs the machine i wouldn't know what to do without him but it, we'll see what happens when i can't make it we might still run it monday at 10 <laughs> <laughs> we can always move it around or okay thanks, we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out okay um 20 minutes left in the show what yep. do you want to do we got a, like two small topics we've got q a and we've got haiku corner 
Where do yeah, you want to go? go? You got a couple more banners? I got a couple more banners. Fire up the next one. Let's just go. All right. Uh, Travis Hamannick, still away. Anything oh. <laughs> Anything you want to talk about here? Um, again, we, we haven't really heard much other than that he didn't opt out, but he's still not with the team. Yeah. So he's still getting paid and he's still on the cap, but he doesn't show up. I don't get the scenario, um, but w- why don't you try to lay it out here? Yeah, it's challenging, Parker, because even before we talk about you, uh, people that know me now, you know what I'm going to get real serious because then I kind of hunch over and I close my eyes and I have this look. I think even before we talk about the ramifications of him being on our salary cap still, $3 million and him not playing for us, so it's almost like wasted space. Anytime I enter into this discussion, either on my channel or just talking to people, it's very polarizing because some people mm-hmm. say he's a professional. We're allowed to question why he's not here. We are allowed to do that because he's a professional athlete and we are paying fans. Da, da, da. Others will say, give the guy a break, you know, leave him alone. He's dealing with a personal matter. It's none of our business. So I, I kind of find that contrast, that argument, very, very fascinating. I know for me, I've, come back a little bit on speculating whether it's because of COVID or vaccination or daughter's health or anything like that. I look at it. I try and talk about it more from the practical side. Now of simply it's actually the worst case scenario for now, because yes, $3 million of cap space being taken up for a guy who's not here, who would be a great playing partner for Quinn Hughes. That's the Mm -hmm. practical unbiased objective way of looking at it, regardless of the situation. Yeah. So, of course, I hope that he's back. I hope I'm sure Quinn Hughes hopes he's back. He said as much yesterday. And I want the most efficient contracts and most efficient running of our team. And we need Hamnick here to do that. Right. Without speculating, we can say the, the, I already shaky defense is worse without Travis yeah. Hamnick in the lineup. Yes. Right? Uh, especially if no cap relief comes from it, because now you're having to fill that gap with uh, Jack Rathbone, like having to, you know, maybe play with a guy like Luke Shen. Uh, or like, you know, it, it just mixes it up and it, it makes it, you know, it just makes it more likely that you're going to have worse players on the ice uh, for a higher percentage of the time, uh, which no one really wins, especially even, you know, the penalty killing side of it, right? We've already talked yes. about how the penalty kills were already worse based on the injuries that we have with Hamannick away, right? You're almost missing an entire penalty kill unit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is uh, definitely a hit to the team. Yeah, and I love if you can put up both Tiger and Justin's comments real quick, please, Parker. This is good. This is good, rational talking. The trouble is who wants him? Calgary doesn't. Winnipeg and Edmonton have committed loads of cap to the DR already and can't afford him because that's the whole thing about Western Canada. And then Justin says, if he is unvaxxed, though most teams might not take him on. So it's hard to say with his situation because he does have family needs first. So I think we all agree, family first always, and that will dictate a lot of decisions. And it's just that we're on the receiving end of that decision or we're affected by it because we are fans of the team and we want the best for the team possible while we want the best for the player possible. And I think that's a good way of putting it. I think that is fair. Thanks. All right. And the last topic that I wanted to get to before we go to haikus and Q and (laughs) A's, the death of the dress code. Oh, tell me about this. The Arizona Coyotes are sort of the first team uh, to officially do away with the whole suit and tie dress code. Um, and so they're basically saying, Hey, you know, look good, but you don't have to suit up. And I heard a really good argument. Um, I think it was on the van cast, but it might've been on something else where basically they were like, yeah, these guys, they wear a suit to the rink, which is fine. But then they, they play the game, they shower, then they have to, then they put a suit back on to get 
to to leave the arena and then if they're it's a tra- if they're traveling then they have to wear that suit onto the plane and then there's a lot of these guys who they get on the plane and they change into comfier clothes and then they have to change back into a suit before they get <laughs> off the plane for the pictures of them arriving to the location so it's like it's such a, a silly convoluted thing that i i think you know look um I don't think there's any like official dress code in like the NFL, but lots of guys, mm. you know, they dress up, they look good. Right. Guys like yep. Henrik Lundqvist, were still going to show up in a suit because they look great in a suit. Yep. Um, but you know, people, you know, if you can look good in something and that's comfortable, <laughs> you know, why wouldn't you? Yeah. That's an interesting one. Cause even think back to, um, your high school athletics days, right? That you always knew it was yep. a basketball game or a football game because the guys are, are in a little shirt. We all wore those skinny ties right back. Well, yeah. I'm a lot older than you, but you know what I mean, right? But it's so whatever. It's it's pride, it's identity, it's culture, it's get people excited, get people talking that there's a game, a home game to co- to go watch. But when you lay it out like that, Parker, wearing, you know, wearing the same suit maybe three or four times in a 24-hour period just for photo ops. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I like wearing it to the game or it does. Okay. Again, it doesn't have to be a suit, though. Right. If you got fashion sense in other ways. Right. Like, you know, Elise Pedersen wears cool, nice suits, but I'm sure he could, you know, he wears, you know, he like he's he's got his fashion. He was <laughs> he was wearing a three hundred and fifty dollar hoodie the other day wow. um, that I saw on Twitter. And, you know, let him wear, you know, let the, let the guys wear whatever they want. You know, it's uh, we're getting to that day and age where uh, it's a little bit more fun. And didn't they sort of do that in the bubble parker i thought yeah i, I think remember. they but they were like team team jackets or something didn't they right like, so it was it was still kind of strict and enforced yeah. um in that case of course we're we're talking to two guys one of them is wearing a shirt you with our with our catchphrase and the other guy's wearing a shirt with his bowling uh league like so i don't know we're the best well today we might not be the best game style of, uh, yeah style <laughs> um let's go to haiku corner all right, I got um, one. If you guys had prepared these early in advance, we'd love yep. to hear them. If not, we'll read ours and we'll go to Q and A. So get your questions queued up. If you don't have a haiku uh, or any other topics you want us to hit on uh, over the last fourteen or so minutes of the show. All right, remember seventeen syllables. Done, uh, sorry, yeah, seventeen syllables done in a five-seven-five fashion. Here is mine: <clears throat> Pedersen and Hughes. They are back where they belong. Let's drop the dang puck. I like it. Thank you. Mine mine is a very similar, uh, (laughs) similar, you know, style. Uh, The RFA King jet black gym locks the stars down one more week to wait. Love it. Uh, Love it. Get to the NHL season in about a week from now. Uh, Yeah. By, you know, next week, our show on Tuesday is going to be a lead into a game the following night against the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday uh, October 13th and now basically every show for the next six months is going to have a handful of games to talk about uh, alongside all of our regular topics so they're going to get more fun more entertaining more jam-packed with information hopefully uh, which we are very very excited about yeah and are you sure that uh, you don't have any Japanese blood Parker that was an excellent haiku I'm very impressed it's uh, I'm going to be honest the haiku is not a very hard poem <laughs> <laughs> well, way to wreck the whole mystique of this entire segment. <laughs> All right, just incredible. Superstars have signed enough preseason games now. Bring on the season. Very good. Very I love good. it. Everyone's yep. sort of on the same same page here. Nicely done. Nicely done. Which is great. All right, let's see if I can hide <laughs> this banner. 
as oh, we get do a gems. That's funny. You can read that one. That one's good. Uh, still on the PK or skill on the PK. Inject this into my <laughs> veins. Louis Revenge Tour. I like the little the little Louis bit at the end. That is great. Uh, yeah, Agam's always going for skill in the PK, uh, which is interesting. You know, I mean, we have seen guys like JT Miller on the PK. The issue yeah. you get into with skill on the PK, though, is you're, is you're taking their ice time maybe away from more offensive situations, right? The more you have to play a JT Miller on the penalty mm-hmm. kill, maybe the less ice time you can give him uh, in, in the offensive zone or, you know, in a power play or in those five on five scenarios, uh, which yeah. is sort of the one argument against it. But it also, you know, you might have better players on the ice, which can also help. Very good. And that, just in case you didn't hear Parker's call out, when we call out for haiku, we're also calling out for questions as well. So load them up, put the questions in the comments. We have a hard stop at eight thirty tonight, so Parker can get his first win of the year. So we gotta we gotta I help him so. do that. <laughs> I hope so. So we'll go for the next ten minutes. Oh, you want to talk about this, Robin Leonard? Sure. Go yeah. for it. So I don't have much info i don't have more info than anyone else uh basically robin leonard sort of went off the other night uh, i had it pulled up here on my side um basically he had a he had a bit of a tweet rant on when was this this was on saturday saturday evening basically saying quote is it common for workplaces to give out benzodiazepines to employees when they travel and ambient should that not be done by doctors psychiatrists asking for a friend eyes emoji uh, this doesn't happen in Vegas, to be clear, but I know many other teams have also been on teams that do. Uh, and then he did like hashtag Philadelphia Flyers question mark dinosaur coach treating people robots, not human. Fire these dinosaurs. Fire Vanyo. First story. I got proof. Try to shake your way out of this one. Uh, basically, a lot of uh, just throwing out some heat um, in this one. And look, if what he's saying is true. Uh, and they are just, and you know, we've heard a lot of stuff about this. There was the whole Toradol thing, which was really big with guys like Ryan Kessler saying that basically they just had buckets of them in the dressing room. If you needed, you know, if you need to get back out on the ice and things like that, uh, and all the sort of painkiller addictions that we've seen around the NHL. Uh, so it's not like this is unbelievable. Um, but if it is, you know, if it is the case, then there's some real issues here. Yeah, that was well said. So this, it was stemming from obviously the, the Jack Eichel Buffalo Sabre situation where they're having a disagreement on the best medical treatment. So Robin Leonard, Robin Leonard jumping to his co his, uh, you know, his colleagues defense. Interesting about the Alain Vigneault and obviously there's a tie here as a former Vancouver Canucks coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he did turn, come out today yeah. and say that he wasn't saying that Vigneault was part of the pills right. thing but that he was just sort of a bad guy, I guess. Dinosaur coach. Exactly. Yeah. Treating people like robots, which uh, we've heard some things to that respect, I think in the past, but like just rumors. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, sort of uh, just a a few bombshells thrown out there. Yeah. And it's interesting. Leonard, I I think uh, a couple of years ago when he started to speak on mental health and stuff, I think a lot of people were listening because he was one of the first, players to do so and he he's articulate he's he's well spoken we've seen that in press conferences but the more you talk and i'm not saying about this but in general the less people are going to listen because they're going to think that you're, you're talking all the time so someone asked is he is this going to affect change it likely will if more players have the guts to come out and say what he's saying but i it's kind of weird right hockey's 
strange that way in that it, it's yeah. not always well we've seen that with the whole yeah with the chicago situation with the yeah. so who knows who knows this is gonna be a fascinating story to track for sure yeah and it's one of those things that like how long does it stay in the news cycle right uh is this one of those things where the nhl sort of meets with them says hey like you know cut it out or whatever and yeah. then it never gets talked about again right we've seen that in the past with things like that and you know we'll see yep very good very good I saw a good question earlier. Oh, Noah, um, we did speak about Pod Colson at length just before you got here. I think uh, Park and I are both saying we, we think he's going to make the team. There's nothing wrong with him starting small because that's the way a guy like Bo Horvat tracked up through his career. But uh, still a couple more preseason games to go. I'm sure he'll get into two of the final three, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I don't think either of us have been super high on his preseason so far. Yeah. Um, but we're not writing him off by any means. But we're also not saying that he's going to end up being, you know, like Clay was hoping, you know, trying to like <laughs> slot into the second line this year. Um, but, you know, if he's, you know, if he starts on the fourth line, like Bo Horvat did uh, years and years ago, uh, and he can progress from that role, then uh, you know, and get used to the NHL game. That's or all we can hope for. Travis Green asked an interesting question. Starting a franchise, Jake Genso or Jenny Kuznetsov? It's a great picture of Travis. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think you go Gensel here, right? Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think he's younger uh, and he's a better goal scorer, but he doesn't have the eagle celebration, which is something he is yes. definitely lacking. Quite impressive. Tiger, Danilia, Danilia. How do you say it? I think it, I, I've just been making it up and saying Danila because that because that's how it looks. Um, Let's go with that. Uh, but Klimovich, Dan Klimovich, uh, yeah. HL or QMJHL. Still, the big club has a minor injury. Yeah. So this is one of the interesting things about bringing a guy over who hasn't played in college here. He hasn't played in major junior in Canada. So he's basically a free agent, as in he can play wherever. Right. He doesn't have his like he. Because if you play in the CHL, you can't play in the AHL for whatever reason. Like there's some mm. weird things going on. Um, so that basically means he can play in the QMJHL, where I think the Ruin Aranda, uh, the Huskies, <laughs> uh, the, the 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 one Quebec team that has his rights. Um, they so he could play there. He could play in the AHL with the Abbotsford Canucks, or he could play with the Vancouver Canucks. And I think what was rumored was that he would go back to the QMJHL and, and just sort of tear it up down there. If he, you know, mm. continues to be really good. And, you know, we'd expect to see a point per game plus out of a guy of his caliber in, in, especially in the Q, which is sort of a lower caliber league than the WHL and the OHL usually. Yeah. Um, but what we've seen at least physically is that, and I think you mentioned this, that he looks like he fits in. Uh, yes. with these NHL and AHL players, right? Like he doesn't look like he's like a big step behind or like he's small and fragile out there. Like he, he looks like he has the, the physicality for it. Uh, he looks like he has at least enough skill to maybe not excel in the AHL, but do decent in the AHL. And it might be, you sort of have to balance. Like, do you want him to go play 25 minutes a night in the QMJHL racking up points? Or do you want him to get pro experience in a lower role with the Abbotsford squad? Yeah, he's uh we we both noticed how violent his shot was in Abbotsford. Yeah, eh? Like it's, it's pretty scary. It's, not, it's heavy. Like there, there's shots that they don't look super hard, but then you hear them hit the boards and it's just yeah. it's a different sound, right? He has one of those. <laughs> he's got some he he has some heat on those. Yeah, so I, I think uh 
I think it's too bad he's he's slightly banged up, but I, I think he had a shot to stick with uh, Abbotsford, truly. Yeah, it's yeah. it really depends on what the team wants to do. Um, and, and I look, they are trying. There's two things. Another couple things you have to balance here. Again, let's say you think that the QMJHL is slightly better for his growth, but mm-hmm. you're also trying to assemble a winning team in Abbotsford because yep. I mean, all signs have pointed to that they're they're putting decent money into this Abbotsford team because they want them to be competitive and they want the Canucks to have a lot of depth that they can easily call up one of the main advantages of having that team in Abbotsford. So if you think that Klimovich is going to be really good for you and will help this Abbotsford team, maybe playing on the second line or even the first line in Abbotsford, and you think that will, you know, help them uh, exceed as a team or excel as a team, uh, then that's something that you got to factor in as well. Very good. Time for a couple more. Let's uh, do this. Cause he asked it a couple times and I have no answer. Have you played NHL 22 yet? No, so it's not out yet. Uh, Lucas is asking oh, okay. about NHL 22. I don't think I'm going to buy it. Um, no. I usually only buy NHL now to play with my friends. And it's mm. sort of, I don't think most of them care about it enough this year. So right. probably just not going to get it. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't change enough for me to be excited. If they yeah. put in a connected franchise mode where me and all my friends can run NHL teams together, like NHL 14, uh, then I'll be interested again. Uh, but until they do that, I'm kind of kind of yeah. out. I'll save my money. I think I'll only buy it if they can guarantee that I win every time I play. Justin mm. says thoughts on Crosby, McDavid, and Petrangelo already named to Team Canada for the Olympics. Well, no surprise with Crosby; he's been Captain Canada. No surprise on uh, McDavid as the best player in the world. And Petrangelo, I think you, you he's going to make the team, and you probably want mm. a defenseman. You don't want to name three forwards. I heard the guys on the radio talking about, well, shouldn't McKinnon be in there over Petrangelo? I think there's well, a few guys that you could put in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they had to name three players like i think every team had to name three players for like drug testing purposes like they have to have at least a couple people being tested this early in the process uh because like i I don't know if it's wada or like the double ihf like that has to go and and do those drug tests so i guess they just named three guys who were locks to make the team obviously crosby obviously mcdavid yeah they could have done mckinnon i don't know what the big issue would be about naming three forwards like what you're not going to put nathan mckinnon on the team uh, yeah. if they, if yeah. they had named like Bo Horvat, then that would be a real conversation piece. Right. <laughs> uh, but no, like they named, they named three guys who are going to make the team. Um, and, and yeah, it could have been other guys, but it doesn't matter. Like we're not coming out and saying like, Oh, Nathan McKinnon's not here. Oh, I guess he's right. not playing in the Olympics in February. Yeah. Uh, no, like that's, that's not the case. I'm excited. I'm excited. Me and, too. And re- related, uh, Ingham says, what Canucks do you think will make the Olympics? Do we agree that Horvat outside shot Canada agree? Yeah, Horvat's got an outside shot if he really pops off this year. Um, PD uh, Nevik Larson for Sweden. Yep, uh, you got like Besser uh, as a really good shot for USA. Maybe Demko could could slide in there as as you know even just a third. Hughes, um, Hughes as well. Yeah, there there'll be a, a handful of guys, and I guess at that point we're gonna have to rename the show in February for a couple of weeks to Canada After Dark. I uh, like as it we, as we cheer for uh, cheer for our boys in red and white. I like or black. It. Sometimes I wear black. Yeah, uh, very Canadian color that black. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it looks good. <laughs> it's great. They're, they're clean jerseys, but yeah. Uh, and then uh, one last question because uh, we're talking about the Olympics. Uh, Naruto, who I met at the game yesterday, actually, he says, "Is it true, or what do you think of China being replaced in their group with Norway?" Right, because that group has Canada, the U.S., and Germany, Germany, yeah, and China, yeah. And I think they were looking. It was like, yeah, like China would like. Since goal differentials, like the number one tiebreaker, oh, no, no. you know, you, you go, let's say the U.S. plays China night one of the round robin and they score 30 
right? And that sounds crazy, but it's not, right? Like, you know, you're you're putting out, you know, you're putting Brock Besser out there against people who have never who've maybe played college level at the highest, but probably worse than that. Um, and then well, Canada's gonna look at that and be like, all right, boys, we need 31, like minimum, right? There's 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 gonna be no mercy being shown here. So part of me wants to see that just for just for chaos factor. Um, but you know, you have to look at the practicality of it. Uh, and yeah. I'm sure China doesn't want to be embarrassed um in that nature. So yeah, I, I haven't heard about this them possibly getting replaced by Norway. Not like Norway is going to go in the gold medal, but they they are a much higher established uh, international team yes. uh, than China would be. I will say, Parker, because I'm half Chinese, right? My other half Japanese. As you were rattling off scores of 30 to nothing and 31 to nothing, I was getting very sad. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I mean, when you're putting out, you know, when you're putting out Crosby, Bergeron, and Marchand against. Yeah. China's best defensive pairing and then their third defensive pairing has to deal with Mitch Marner and Nathan McKinnon like Jonathan Huberdo. Yeah. yeah like you go down the list and you're like oh man wow Bo Horvat might not make the team put him oh. in that lineup against uh, against these this level player it's well, Horvat it would just to go be... play for China then no he shouldn't no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I, I did not say Bo Horvath should go play for China. I, know, okay. I was joking. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate the decision, but it, it would be a little bit less fun. I yeah, think. I hear for you. Me. Um, you hit our time. We have hit our time. I got to head out. Thank you guys for hanging out with us this evening. Showed it better than we expected for being this late, but thank yeah. you guys all for joining out. Uh, shout out to Soja in the chat here. SOJ Productions saying that uh, loves the show. Listen to everyone on Spotify. You greatly, greatly fuel your love for hockey. Well, awesome. give it a listen again today. Thank you everyone who listens to the podcast side. Uh, and if you guys could, um, if you want, even if you don't listen to it on the podcast side, if you go leave us a five-star review, on Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone, just search podcasts, find Canucks After Dark, hit the five-star button, leave a nice review. We'll read it out on the screen. It helps us out, uh, and we really appreciate it. Uh, Clay, any final words? Parker, I just want to say good luck tonight. I have a feeling that tonight is the night that the streak ends. And speaking of uh, new things, can't wait. The next time we'll be meeting, next Tuesday, not next Monday, on the eve of the Canucks first game of the season can't wait brother it's gonna be a lot of fun this season for sure absolutely we hope you're all excited too and we will see you guys next week